0: Thank you. Welcome to Knives at Minute, I'm your host Darren, and today we're going to be covering episode number 37, which goes from 36 minutes to 36.59. Uh, we start the minute uh, with Marta giving uh, Harlan some drugs, uh, saying, you know, old oh, man, you've had a long day. And then she, of course, you know, they, there's a bit of playful stuff in this minute where she's like, let's do drugs. And we get some stuff with Harlan saying, is that the good stuff? Um, And then this is, you know, this is kind of when we get a bit of kind of discussion about, um, you know, uh, the 80s and, you know, drugs and all that kind of stuff. Um, And then we get discussion about milligrams. uh, And the minute finishes, just as Marta says, uh, I'm going to give you an emergency shot of uh, Naxalone Um, and you know in the next minute it'll fin- it will we'll finish that sentence uh joining me to talk about today is joe Dorowski. hello joe hello thank you for having me back there's a lot of discussion about drugs in this minute and uh anna de Armas is actually kind of doing a lot of uh, a lot of business a lot of prop work um you know uh and it, i think it's funny because obviously over this week we're going to see her go from how she is in this minute which is kind of uh, extremely happy and friendly and kind of chatty and and then, obviously, it you know things will um, things will be going downhill um, in the next in the next few episodes. <laughs> so, um, but I I think the kind of the re- the reveal you know when she's she's kind of we're about like halfway through the minute when we we get the close up of the two different drugs, and you know she kind of realizes that instead of giving him you know morphine which you know she's meant to give him a small dose of, uh, she's given him like a large dose of you know the wrong thing. Um, you know, uh, and what I like in this minute in particular is that, um, you know, there would be some, there'd be some kind of directors who would, uh, you know, direct Christopher Plummer to maybe get angry or yelling or something like that. But what I like about this is Harlan kind of, you know, he, he stays very, very calm, um, you know, and, you know, obviously we, we had the kind of playfulness of the, you know, let's do drugs. Um, and him saying, is that the good stuff? And that's what he kind of referred <laughs> he, he never said, he kind of, he, throughout the, the rest of the week, he kind of keeps calling it the good stuff. And I think Marty increasingly uh, doesn't like that phrasing. Um, but, you know, he says, why did I wait till my mid-80s to become a morphine user? <laughs> um, you know, this stuff's the best. And, you know, I, I mean, you know, let's put it like this. If somebody's in their 80s and they want to get addicted to hard drugs let them get addicted to hard drugs you know that's my stance on things if if at age like eighty five someone wants to become like you know a heroin user let them let them use heroin you know decriminalize it you know you know if, if that's what they want then just let them let them just kind of drift away um so yeah it's you know this is this is kind of when we get the like I say there's a lot of kind of um you know needles going into vials and then halfway through the minute we get this kind of close up on the two different vials. And we get to see our Marta's face the kind of realisation that she's messed up. But I also like how the, her face immediately gives it away because, of course, she cannot tell a lie. Um, and so Harlem picks up on that straight away. And he just says, you know, is there a problem? And, you know, this is when, you know, she kind of makes out, makes it clear that she's she's kind of given him the wrong dose. Um you know, and I, I think the thing is, when he says, well, uh, what's the good stuff's supposed to be? And she goes, let's not call it that right now. You know, like she's so she's meant to have given him three milligrams of that, but she's given him 100 milligrams of the, the wrong drug. Um, and so, you know, this is this is basically the kind of the slow reveal of exactly why Harlan um, you know, killed himself, which is you know, obviously something that we've, you know, we've we've seen at the beginning of the film. It's worth saying as well, throughout this shot, as discussed, you know, yesterday, there is the knife in the desk. Uh, obviously, if you've seen the beginning of the film or, you know, if you've seen the film in whole, you'll know that that knife being on that desk is kind of important. One might even say that it is a knife that is out. Um, so, you know, uh, it, and and I I think, I don't know, I just, I really like, over these next couple of minutes, but in in particular, this is kind of the real start of it, and I think Anna Diamas is kind of is kind of great in this minute, just the kind of slow realization that something is wrong, mm-hmm. and also the fact that Christopher Plummer just plays it so calmly, and you know in his in his head, obviously later on in the week we'll get the, the kind of start of the plan, um, you know which will be discussed a lot more next week, um, so I don't want to kind of spoil that too much, but you can kind of see the wheels turning, like he he's realizing something is wrong. And he knows that that Marta is innocent and, you know, it's a genuine mistake and so she shouldn't be punished for it. So I think it's interesting that the fact that he is so calm is maybe an indication that he's already, you know, he's already thinking of what, what he's got to do next. Um, so what are your, your thoughts on this particular minute Joe?
1: Yeah I think there's a lot of really interesting work that gets done um, even the fact that uh, you know he jokingly calls it the good stuff with the twinkle in his eye and she smiles about that initially you know before uh, the panic sits in I think that is a really good job of revealing their relationship that they have these inside jokes that they are comfortable with but she also knows these are inside jokes like, like <laughs> you, you don't call morphine the good stuff uh, in, in other settings uh, and so it shows like there's a level of familiarity and trust uh, that exists between them that is not just employer employee relationship I mean we already have that because he wants to play the game go and um, and and you know nothing about this just feels like you know a strictly, Uh, you know, hyper formal uh, business arrangement, you know, between them, they're, they're friends and they have that kind of language. And I think, um, you know, there's all kinds of examples of the insider outsider language where like you're allowed to call it when you're inside the group and you shouldn't call it that when you're outside the group. And um, the fact that they have that around, you know, the, the medicine that is her, you know, part of her professional career, but she's let it get so casual in her friendship with Harlan that they, you know, that they can call morphine jokingly, the good stuff. Um, I, I think it just tips the hand to, to the audience immediately. Um, you know, that this is uh, an established friendship uh, that exists between them. And I think Anonymous does a really good job of um, playing that turn from the kind of playfulness of you want the good stuff to the panic uh and uh the, the you know the, the the sheer weight of uh th- how devastating this mistake is um a- and uh you know that this isn't um in any way like just a little whoops <laughs> like this is literally life and death uh that she <laughs> has been playing around with jokingly and uh and um you know she she believes she's Uh, on the on the cusp of having killed harlan uh, at this moment and you you read all of that perfectly in in her face had you seen anadonymous in anything before uh knives out
0: i had not seen her in anything before i don't think um i i mean there's a chance that i probably saw her in a film but i didn't realize it it was her um you know that that's a possibility but i i i mean um she was she was in that blader in a film wasn't she
1: yeah i know she was i haven't seen that but i know she was in that one Um, Somehow, well, I know how. um, My wife and I had watched uh, a Spanish telenovela called uh, Gran Hotel on Netflix. And uh, she wasn't in that. But because we watched that, we had the algorithm like suggesting other Spanish TV. Uh, And so we ended up, and I think also with a recommendation from uh, someone who had watched it, watching another Spanish telenovela called um, uh, It's El Internado Laguna Negra. And she was in it as a star, but she disappeared uh, near the end of the series. She was, she, um, she, she's just gone. I looked up and said she'd left to go pursue acting in Hollywood. <laughs> um, and, it, you know, in that, it's, it was completely Spanish. Uh, and I, I read up a little bit, you know, that she, when she left working in Spain, she, she went and like did really intensive English training to try and be able to work in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And uh, then when I saw the trailer for Knives Out, I'm like, wait, that's, that's, uh, what's her name from, from El Internado? <laughs> um so so she made it you know uh having left what well i gather from having looked up some stuff on a a fairly popular spanish tv show uh to go and uh pursue hollywood acting and here she is uh carrying a scene with christopher Plummer. uh you know that's that's um you know a pretty successful career arc i think
0: yeah uh it turns out actually i think i'd seen her in a lot of films um (laughs) uh because she was in knock knock which was the uh eli roth film Mm -hmm. uh with um keanu reeves uh, she was one. She was the other girl who knock knocks, who is not married to the director. Um, so I had seen her in that, but uh, you know, like not a terribly memorable kind of part. Um, and also, she was in War Dogs, which is um, you know the, uh, uh, the the Todd Phillips film with um, uh, what's his face in, um, no longer a comic actor, Jonah Hill. Um, and then also. Um, she, Like I said, she was in Blade Runner, but she kind of played like this hologram character mm-hmm. um, who was like a vessel for other things. So not, not really, I mean, you know, a kind of memorable-ish role, but, you know, that film was mostly about, uh, you know, grizzled old Harrison Ford, um, you know, and le- less about the rest of the plot, so... Um, and then since nos Out, she's done like a ton of other films. Uh, the film, The Informer, I think I was thinking of going to see it at the cinema, but then I was like, eh, that doesn't look very good, so I'm not going to waste my time on it. Uh, and obviously, you know, she will be in No Time to Die uh, whenever that comes out, sometime possibly in the year 2023. Yeah, maybe. Um, Who
1: knows? <laughs> Fingers yeah, crossed.
0: Every, with, ev- with every day, it, the irony is with every single day, it makes Daniel Craig the longest reigning James Bond by one more day <laughs> um, until it gets released. So... You know, um, yeah. So, uh, like I said, I you know seen her in a handful of films. Um, in Knock Knock, I can't say I particularly you know like it's not like I was like oh yeah. In, in fact, in Knock Knock, the the other girl, I if I close my eyes, I don't even remember what she looked like. Like mm-hmm. that wasn't a particularly memorable film. Um, although she's been in a lot of other stuff as well, um, including Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, because obviously Eli Roth is friends with uh, his friends with Quentin Tarantino. So. Um, but yeah so I hadn't really seen her in anything before this and obviously you know like you say she has done like other TV shows and stuff. Um, I hadn't watched any of those. Um, so you know this was kind of the first time that certainly I saw her on screen and I remembered her. Um, you know, but effectively she's
1: pitched as like the second build. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Like, and again, with with
1: an incredible cast here. And I remember uh, in prep this week, I I went and double checked, uh, you know, what, what else she'd been in and I was glancing and um, the note that was on uh, so many of the films that she's been in is, uh, her her is underused, or you know like, like the uh, I think after knives out, we're like oh this this is a star, and then people have gone and looked at like her other stuff and like mm, they, they didn't really utilize her enough um and, and so it's just interesting to see that uh you know either a reassessment or uh people just like really loving her in this and haven't been as wild in what she's been asked to do in the other roles that she's had
0: It's interesting because there is a film which I didn't see uh which is called Hands of Stone. Uh, and the, which contains Robert, Robert De Niro, uh, f- f- for some reason, uh, apparently had a box, uh, had a budget of 20 million, only made five. So clearly, um, you know, a, uh, yeah, uh, it features, uh, Reggie Cathy playing the role of Don King. Um, you know, I'm a fan, I'm a fan of Reggie Cathy. So, um, that may be worth, um, taking a look at. Um, but the funny thing is on the poster, um, which is like red with like this fist. I urge everybody listening to go and take a look at Hands of Stone. The poster. Uh, you have Edgar Ramirez uh, not build recommending first. the film, you... just the poster. <laughs> no, just the po- well for this for this one's this one reason. Um, it has Edgar Ramirez build first over Robert De Niro, and then third build Usher Raymond the fourth. And I don't know why Usher all of a sudden has decided that when it comes to his acting roles, he's going to be. Uh, Build as Usher Raymond IV uh, of course everybody remembers Usher from his amazing role in the film She's All That um, where he was a DJ who just kept popping up every five minutes <laughs> to kind of just tell people bits of the plot uh, but yeah so I don't know why he's decided to go by his full name on that poster but it looks ridiculous when you have Robert De Niro above Usher Raymond IV on a poster um, but yeah but Ander de not uh, is not really she hasn't got like a huge role mm-hmm. in that uh, in that film Again I th- I think it's just one of those things where um you know uh Ryan Johnson and we'll talk about this uh, maybe a little bit more on uh, on Thursday uh but he he kind of is able to use her in this particular way and I think also by this point he's got an idea of how to handle the kind of ensemble cast and the kind of different uh, the different storylines and it's obvious that he's kind of a you know a fan of the mystery genre because um you know the way that he was able to give everybody like i think the thing is with uh you know uh, mystery films uh kind of getting into the the question of the day um is it, you know you have to give everybody good enough motivation like it can't just be one person is obviously a murderer and everybody mm-hmm. else has got like oh you know this person once gave them some eggs that were off or something like you know the motivation needs to be very strong for every single character Um, And I think that's something that's done really well. And then also when with the case, you know, of Marta, you have to have, um, you know, uh, somebody in the film that the audience can kind of be sympathetic to. And I think in this particular film, it's kind of hard for the audience to like warm up to Benoit Blanc because he spends the first like 30 minutes of the film kind of to one side and just sitting there and hitting a piano key and like kind of you know, being a bit more eccentric and not really being the centre of the film. And, you know, as we move from the kind of flashbacks from the family, you know, the person we're introduced to before we're introduced to the family is Marta. So it's clear, you know, from an audience perspective, even though, you know, there's a lot of names on the poster and this is clearly, you know, a big um, ensemble piece, uh, it's clear that we're meant to have sympathies with her above everybody else. Also, the rest of the family are all terrible people. Um, You know, apart from, you know, I think with Harlan... Even though he is clearly a multi-millionaire living in a gigantic mansion, surrounded by you know kind of profits of his labor, I think you kind of people are willing to kind of let that pass and be like, well, yeah, he's a you know he's a writer. He he wrote the books. He deserves the money. Everybody else is just a leech and. Yeah. You know, from and that and that is also their motivation. Their motivation is, you know, the, the the motivation for why Walt might have done it is because he's leeching off his dad. The motivation for why Ransom might have done it is because he's leeching off his dad. You know, the motivation for why Joni might have done it is because she's leeching off her father-in-law. You know, mm-hmm. the reason for why Linda might have done it is because although she pretends to be a self-made woman, she's leeching off her dad. Like all of, literally all of them are leeching off him, and that is basically they all have the exact same motive. Um, You know, the reason why the Nazi boy might have done it is because he's leeching off his granddad. You know, Mm -hmm. the reason why Meg might have done it, which is, you know, it seems far fetched, but she's leeching off her granddad. Like that's that's the thing that is common to everybody in the family. So instantly as a viewer, you know, you kind of you know, you admire the actors and you admire the performances. But you should really hate everybody in that family. Then there's no you should have no sympathy for anyone who is in the Thromby family. Um, And then obviously in stark contrast to that, you have Marta, who is you know so innocent she can't tell a lie um and i think that's you know it's obviously that the way it's been set up is is you know it's it's perfect in terms of like the genre like it's clear that ryan johnson understands that you know we need somebody to sympathize with and marta is eminently sympathetic and you know this minute kind of we see why she is you know is such a good person it's because she's the only person in that entire property who's actually doing a job that requires a level of skill and, you know, she also feels guilty, like instantly, you know, like there's no she doesn't equivocate. She doesn't try to, you know, like instantly even with it, you know, as we get more into the next minute, she's intensely guilty of what's just happened like seconds before. And, uh, you know, by the time we get to this at the end of this week, you know, where she is basically kind of standing, you know, facing away from Joni, just like crying. You, you can't help but feel sympathy for her. Um, and I think that, you know, that's that's something that kind of makes this really work as like, a you know, a murder mystery film is, you know, we're, we're gradually now getting what the mystery is. You know, like the fact that it was a suicide, but it, it's not. It's a murder, you know, like all the kind of pieces are being put into place. And now we're seeing the kind of truth over these next few episodes. Um, and, you know, I just think that's one of the things that really makes this work, um, you know, whereas, you know, in the other films that I've seen Anna Amis in barely noticed her basically <laughs> you know, like-
1: yeah uh, i mean she's being centered in the in this one in a way that i don't think she had been in any previous film uh but i i think she does an excellent job like i said this is you know it's a it's a scene with just her and christopher Plummer for basically this entire week um and and you know a chunk of last week uh and i think you know christopher Plummer is an actor with enough gravitas you you know he's going to carry any scene that he's been asked asked to carry um but she's she's right there with him uh, in this. And I think it's a really impressive performance that she is able to give in, you know, one of the, like you've said, she, she's done some other Hollywood films, but she hasn't been asked to be at the center of the narrative like she is in this one. And she definitely rises up uh, to the occasion. And it's, um, yeah. I, I think it's a credit to, to Ryan Johnson, uh, you know, that he saw this you know that this this level of going to be in her when, um, you, you know she she done some Spanish television and a few smaller roles uh, in 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 films. Um, that that as you've noted, like you, she's there and she was probably doing, um, you know everything that she was asked of, but she just hadn't been asked to do as much. Uh, in, in the types of roles she'd been cast in before, and in this, she's at the center of an incredible cast.
0: Um, so you know, talking more generally about murder mystery films, uh, what are your feelings on that particular genre? I mean. You know, what drew you to were you drawn to see this film in The cinema because it was Ryan Johnson or because it was a murder mystery or because it was both? You know, was it the combination? you know what was the what was the pull? In I think a little of bit the of the combination.
1: So I did enjoy the last Jedi, and that made me more interested in Ryan Johnson. Uh, but when I saw the trailer for this, I was like, oh, I'm there. Like I love Agatha Christie. I love the Sherlock Holmes stories. I love the uh, I've watched a fair number of the procedural TV shows that give you a mystery of the week. um, you know, all those. and i I think, one thing that this film does uh amazingly well is that there's a lot of classic whodunit uh you know murder in a big estate with your your five suspects um that could be ruined with the introduction of a cell phone um (laughs) that you know the plot (laughs) falls apart as soon as modern technology is there which is why you know so so many of them predate uh (laughs) modern convenience uh for communication and ryan johnson doesn't Move this back. He he just embraces, uh, you know, modern technology as is. This is going to be part of the plot, and he makes it work. Um, and I think that's actually increases the level of difficulty uh, to to have you know, the fact that there could have been, you know, cameras and, and people calling each other and, you know, all, all the other uh, elements of communication that, that becomes a part of the plot of this. If you go back to some of the classic um, stories, you know, one cell phone would really end a lot of Sherlock Holmes mysteries uh, with a quick bit of <laughs> like, oh, I'm, I'm here, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. And uh, so to be able to pull off something that feels like Um, you know, that iconic style of murder mystery and yet has, you know, fits perfectly in the modern day. I think um, he threads the needle very well.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, I think obviously kind of the the biggest uh, example that was kind of close to this um, and already has the sequel recorded and and finished and ready to be released, but hasn't been yet because of various circumstances um, was, of course, the Kenneth Branagh uh, murder on the Orient Express Mm -hmm. Uh, which spoiler alert for a film that 's been out a couple of years and a book that 's been out decades <laughs> decades and decades um, somebody once described it to me as they all did it um so you know kind of going in you 're like, oh okay, right there, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, so how they all did how they all did it and why they all did it, I think is kind of interesting, but yeah um mm-hmm. i you know i, I think you 're right you 're kind of like uh, it, well, in that circumstance if you know Murder on the Orient Express was set in the current day. You're right. A Google would sort everything out pretty quickly. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Let me look into
1: this person. Oh, I see who it is. OK, I understand their motivation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So
0: um, so it'd be interesting to see what he does with the death on the Nile, particularly because they obviously ended murder on the Orient Express with like a uh, a teaser where mm-hmm. somebody's like, oh, somebody's died on the Nile. Like uh, so. But yeah, I mean, I you know, I don't watch a huge amount of, um, uh, you know, like murder mystery stuff myself. Um, you know, I think it was more Ryan Johnson and, and probably the cast that kind of drew me to this film. Um, but, uh, you know, I do, I do, you know, I think um, the, the BBC did some like TV series of, of some kind of Agatha Christie adaptations of uh, Ten Little Indians and, and various other things like that. I can't remember the name of the person who kind of adapted them, but I think those were quite interesting. But again, they kind of did them as historic, like set historically because if you otherwise. You know everything kind of falls apart. There's actually a, there's actually an interesting book that I, I bought many many years ago, which kind of points out um, the fact that in a lot of Agatha Christie's, people wait. So like somebody murders someone, and then 18 years later somebody gets murdered because of that murder. And the question a lot of times is like, why did they wait? Why did they wait 18 years? Why did they wait six years? Where like there's a lot of Agatha Christie where people seem to just wait around to be able to take their revenge um so you know there's a there's a, there's kind of some of those uh, you know where it's like you know that uh, this book was actually really good because it was effectively like you know nitpicking a bunch of uh literary novels and stuff um and also it, it pointed out that there's a page in American Psycho where uh, uh Bateman Patrick Bateman puts on a tie twice uh, he puts on one particular tie at the start of the page and then two paragraphs later he puts on a tie again um and it's like Why did he do that? You know, but uh, yeah, I think the problem with a lot of murder mysteries is once you get to the motivation, it's like, well, you know, why did you wait 15 years to avenge the murder of your son with this particular person? Like, and I think murder on the Orient Express is a little bit of that as well, isn't it? It's like people waited years and planned and all this kind of stuff. And it's, it's it's easily undone by a detective who spends half an hour sitting on a train going, oh, okay, all these people are connected. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, so I think that's always the biggest downfall of some kind of murder mystery stuff is when you get to the motivations. Uh, whereas, like I say the motivations for this is pretty simple for all the characters. Uh, and the only person who doesn't have motivation to murder... Harlan is the person who, over this week, will effectively be put into the frame for murdering Harlan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and she's the one person who literally has no motivation. Like, her job is basically tied to, you know, working for him.
1: And keeping him um, alive. You know, he's, <laughs> that's her job. Yeah, keeping him
0: alive, basically, yeah. So I think that's that's an interesting twist as well on the whole thing, is like, you know, she she will be revealed, you know, obviously we know already she's giving him the wrong dose, but, but it will be revealed that she is the motivation and she's the one person who has no reason to to you know murder him so i think it's kind of that's an interesting twist on the whole murder mystery thing is to set up the most innocent person as the person who (laughs) who will be the killer but they have no motivation to do it so it's it's kind of funny um so well if there's nothing else to say about this minute uh i feel like we should move on to plugs is there anything that you wish to plug joe
1: Uh, Yeah, I've edited a series of essay collections on superheroes. So if you are a fan of the superhero genre, you might want to go check out. It's called The Ages of Superheroes. And there's um, about 10 volumes of academic essays that are analyzing some of the most popular characters in uh, our entertainment world uh, through an academic lens. And so you can just uh, look at my name, Joseph uh, Dorowski, on uh, any reputable bookselling website and be able to find some of those essay collections.
0: Okay, and uh, you can find us on Twitter at Knives Out Minute, and also on Facebook. Uh, and obviously, you know, if you are listening on any of the various pod catchers, uh, which I believe is a word that some of the hosts uh, have not wanted to say, um, then you know, please rate and review or subscribe or you know, whatever the whatever floats your boat. Um, you know, tomorrow, obviously, we're going to get more into what's going on with these uh, these doses. Uh, so, thanks for being my guest today, Joe.
1: Thank you so much for having me on.
0: And we will. See you all tomorrow!